0: Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Rich Heller is a conflict coach, and he works with couples who are dealing with an extremely high level of conflict. Most of them are struggling in their marriage. Um, Some have decided that they want to separate and others even to divorce. And his goal of working with these individuals and couples is to help them minimize the friction between the two of them, so that they can maximize the amount of support that they can give to their kids. You see, Rich is no stranger to conflict. He grew up in New York City and is a child of divorce. And in his words shared that growing up in his house was like growing up in Armageddon. It took him many, many years to recover, and he suffered a lot of negative emotional and mental damage, even turning to drugs and having suicidal thoughts. And it was this trauma that drives him to do the work that he does every day. And in this podcast, you're going to learn everything that you need to know to make sure that any conflict that might be present in your relationship with your partner is not seeping down into your children. He gives great tips and actionable tools on how to really recognize when you're being triggered and be able to move past that to make sure that, again, you're acting in a way that you know is supportive for your children and in no way hurtful towards your children. And at the very end, he shares how you, quote unquote, divorce proof your children, allowing them to develop the skills of resiliency and grit that we all need for a successful life. I promise that this is going to be a podcast that you won't forget. I know I grew so much and learned so much, and I know that you will too. Without further ado, please welcome Rich Heller. Today we have a special guest, Rich Heller, and I know I've just told you a little bit about him. So we'll go ahead and get started. I am phenomenally interested with the work that you do because so much of what you focus on is divorce, but from um, from the perspective of of kids and what. What their experiences. Um, how did you how did you come to this field? Is this something you always knew you wanted to do? Did you fall into it? I'm just so fascinated with, with your journey here.
1: So many questions. Um, the, how did I drop into this field? The short story is that I grew up in a, a high conflict family. What I like to tell people is I grew up in Armageddon. So uh, the best times in our household was when it was just the kids. Cause then just my brother and I were fighting. Mm-hmm. And then if one parent was there, the three of us were fighting. And if both parents were there, it was, it was fierce.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And eventually that marriage fractured and came apart. My parents got divorced and it was not a clean and simple divorce. Long story short though, the impact on my brother and I, was pretty intense. And, you know, as children, we had no idea what normal was. This is, this was our normal. You know, it's only yeah. years. You have no, you're a child, you have no other context. Uh, and all the promised negative outcomes that can happen to a child of divorce, I lived through literally every one of them. Uh, emotional illness, mental illness, um, drug addiction. I was sexually abused uh, I had suicidal thoughts. I mean, anything, al- almost every possible negative thing that could come out of it, I lived through. And the, f- the ironic, or is it funny? I don't know if I'm, I'm never sure which it is, is that that was just what you're supposed to go through, right? You're just supposed to do these things. And so years later, um, I, you know, I went through healing and got lots of help and started to get some perspective on what normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what normal may look like. Mm -hmm. Um, and realize that I grew up on the extreme end of the grid. And so a lot of all my motivation really for helping children and divorce in particular comes out of that to that. It took me maybe 20 years to get on a really healthy, emotional, spiritual, physical track in my life, not all at once in pieces. But I think that that time can be much, much shorter. I don't think children have to go through life not knowing that they're traumatized. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. when we, when the parents who are involved in the divorce have the awareness of what the potential impact of their relationship and the divorce is on those children, then they have the power and the motivation and the ability to build resilience, what we call in the field now resilience in those children so that they can recover much faster than I did. And my brother actually um, never really recovered. I mean, he's... He's a fifty some odd year old man who's super intelligent, massively overweight, and employed at a job that is so below his ability to produce in the world. It's unbelievable. he's still very you know, he, mm-hmm. he just that he never had the opportunities that I had for whatever reason
0: so when you are coming to this field um it, what do you study? I mean, I know this is kind of a you know obviously you have your own your own experience and you know and you've lived and breathed the worst of the worst of of divorce, but and and you call yourself a a conflict coach. So, what do you do to um, you know train yourself to be able to work with? parents who sometimes are so angry, so angry at each other that they don't even have the capacity to really absorb what's going on for their kids? It's a big question. So. Is,
1: I, I don't know that I consciously trained myself.
0: Yeah,
1: It's more of a journey. Mm-hmm. So we'll go back to the childhood thing. Around 12 years old, I at that time, kids went out on their own. They rode the buses. We don't really let them do that now. But even, yeah. at even 10, 11, we were given school bus passes, and we were just we were out in the world. And I grew up in the Upper West Side when it was the Wild Bob West, um, and I was on Central Park West, so I was the wealthy, lighter-skinned person.
0: Mm-hmm. And any
1: time that I went into the park or went off of Central Park West, I was considered uh, prey-worthy by people who were hungrier. So it was not so safe out there either. And I remember feeling humiliated when I get mugged and I, one day something snapped in me and a kid pulled a knife on me and I said to him, you know, and I didn't plan it. I said, you know, you better kill me because I'm done. I said, and I promise you that along the way you're going to get hurt too. And the joke is I had no idea how to defend myself whatsoever, but it was like some, part of me just snapped Yeah, and he put the knife away and we went off and smoked joy together. I mean, cause those were, these were not the days where, when kids killed kids yeah. I mean, it, it, that came later on. Uh, they said, it, it, I didn't know that was going to happen, but then we sort of became pals and I and so then I moved from being prey to being something else. I don't know. I'm not sure I was a predator, but I wasn't something to be preyed on anymore. And that was my first experience of, of uh, I, I have influence in this conflict. I have I have power. I have a choice. I have a choice in this conflict. Mm-hmm. I can stand for something and see what happens, or I can keep rolling over and running away. So you know, our response to conflict is fight, flight, or play dead.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I chose to fight. And from there, I when I, I changed schools, uh, I was asked to change schools because, as I said, I had a little drug problem. And so I went to a new school and I play football. I chose to play football. So I chose back into conflict you know, um, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, I was, I, I chose to be the aggressor again and again. And then after that, I started practicing martial arts, which is super controlled conflict. And I actually still practice martial yeah. arts 30 years later. And I, and I teach kids martial arts because I think it's super healthy. It's a super constructive way yeah. to approach conflict. So th- all of that prepared me for the work that I do now. And along the way, um, I got a master's in social work. I, I cl- got, I stopped using other substances. And I started working, helping other people doing that. And somewhere, I had a whole other business I was doing. Somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted to get into coaching. And Mm -hmm. I I thought I was going to be a divorce coach. In fact, I was initially a divorce coach. I had this company called Separate with Sanity. When I invoiced people, it still said Separate with Sanity because it's an LLC. But something was missing for me there. And I realized helping people with their divorce so it was easy for them wasn't really about them. It was about rescuing that kid who I was yeah. that, or my brother who never really got rescued. I like, I really wanted to make it better. So, and I got intensely into that work, learning about it, studying about it. So I have a master's in social work that helps. I have a certificate in coaching that helps. I'm a trained mediator, which yeah. is super, super helpful dealing with yeah. people in conflict because it gives me a structure to work with. And I'm relatively fearless Yeah. because of it was very organic. It was very yeah, organic.
0: And very natural.
1: Yeah.
0: And so how can couples who have conflict, I mean, there's so few divorces where there's no conflict. I mean, maybe there have been. I, I Even if they're both agreeing to a divorce, there's conflict. But how can you mitigate the effects of the conflict between the parents to not seat down to the kids.
1: That is a great question. That is a fantastic question. There are two pieces involved. The first is the parents need to get that anything they say about the other parent or or do in relationship to the other parent is immediately absorbed in front of the children. Absorbed yeah. by the children, absorbed by the children. No matter no matter what, or if you say good things about the parent, but you do things that show that you don't feel well about the, the kids get it. They get what we do. So a higher consciousness or decision about how am I going to treat the other parent, even though this is confrontational, even though it's painful, even though I'm outraged or immensely sad or whatever's going on, always remembering that the children are still primary. Yeah. is vital. That's the first piece. And the second piece is to get that the reason why they're getting divorced is that they have developed an unhealthy, we call it in the trade dynamic,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: means that the, it's like a patois, a way of talking to each other that's very negative. And yeah. it's, it starts with, you left the cap off the toothpaste, and then you know the other person says... So what? And then it one thing builds on the other. And even though it's sort of like both people can see they're ha- about to have a head-on collision, but they've done it so many times they just can't.
0: They can't stop. They it. just
1: ha- well, it's not they can't, Is they don't know how. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it for so long. That dynamic has been present for so long. So getting help identifying that dynamic is the next step. Yeah. And that could be with um, it could be with a counselor or a therapist or a rabbi or But my personal opinion is what works best is someone who's trained in mediation because mediators are trained to help people see the dynamic without directing them. Yeah. And so the, and some of the other modalities that I just represented may have a direction they think that the relationship should, should go. The mediator is just going to help them identify the dynamic and decide what they want to do with that. If they want to keep having that dynamic. They get to keep having it, but at least they know Mm -hmm. that they're having it. They know that they can stop if they want to, now that they've identified it.
0: And going to a mediator, is that then, you know, only once you decide you're getting a divorce? Or, you know, can you go to certain mediators because you don't know whether or not the marriage can be saved and you want to see what that would look like?
1: another terrific question yes everybody when they hear mediator thinks divorce
0: don't they i mean like, mediator. Rich, that, that's the first i was like well then it's just going one direction i mean can you use a mediator in a way to, to mediate through and create that better dynamic
1: so you can use mediators if they're in a family business if they're two brothers running the business and the family's becoming more predominant than the business you can have a mediator come in and help them separate the family from the business so why wouldn't you be able to use it something else. So the new, a newer branch of mediation is marital mediation, where couples come to a mediator because they're not sure what they want to do. Yeah. And they sit down with them and they figure it out and they might want to get divorced. They might want yeah. to get separated. They might want to stay together, but what they, what they do in the process that's most important is they identify what kind of relationship they want to have and what's primary in that relationship. And they do it without compromising on their values or principles in mediation, in some forms of mediation, being true to your principles and your values is primary. You can compromise on, am I going to have the kids Monday or Wednesday? Or you can compromise on, are we going to sleep in the same house in separate rooms? or Are we going to sleep together? You can compromise on those things. But if if you start compromising your core values, everything goes out the window. And a lot of people who come to me in marital mediation, complained that they went to some form of counseling and felt they were compromising their values, that that, that the value and principal part was skipped over and that they s- started negotiating things in the physical, mm-hmm. uh, in the sort of in the material realm without really talking about that first.
0: Yeah, that gut check. And does this feel right? Do I feel comfortable? It's interesting. I've never, I have never, ever heard of marital mediation and it's unbelievably powerful.
1: Um, and the short story in marital mediation, you can come out of it. If what comes out of it is that you want to be separated or divorced, you can actually hammer out the terms of your separation and divorce in that marital mediation. And depending on who the mediator is, they'll either write the document or bring in a professional to write the document. So it's not like you, not like you go to marital mediation and, Oh my God, we failed. We're getting divorced. We have to go to another mediator to get our divorce done. You can actually take what comes out of that process the work that either, you've done. either to stay together or be separated or be divorced. It's the, it's the same process. Yeah. But mo- everyone who's come to me for marital mediation so far, they usually have an intention that they, I guess, have an intention they want to be together because they're not divorced yet.
0: Mm-hmm. And so many questions that I know we have when people come and consult with us, they're not a hundred percent sure. And they need something to help them get closer to what they should be doing and that's something where I think is really powerful that not a lot of people think about. I mean couples counseling some people will think about too, but you're right that sometimes people will walk out of couples counseling feeling like they've just been put in a box and it's not really representative of who they are and really what they they want.
1: I, I'm I can't really speak. To couples counseling, the people who come to me usually have failed in couples counseling. And so my point of view is slightly skewed by the fact that everyone who comes to me has, has had a bad couples counseling experience, but I'm sure the people who aren't coming to me are having a good couples counseling experience. Yeah. So I just want to, I want to make it clear that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking at it from the experience of the people who come to me.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, that's probably a great modality and very effective for some people.
0: And what is the difference between couples counseling and marriage mediation just kind of like the quick quick and, and dirty because I know there are people uh you know listening to the podcast who have you know most of us have heard to couples counseling my husband and I have gone to couples counseling um but not really heard as much about marital mediation so what's the difference between the two so
1: mediation is more of a coaching modality and counseling is more of a therapeutic modality and so the core distinction between coaching and therapy and not completely true because there's huge overlap between yeah, them, yeah. but, but the, the key distinction is that in a therapeutic environment, we're going to talk more about what I was talking about. Uh, oh, I grew up in this kind of family and my mom said this kind of thing. And I felt like that. And so as a result, I react a certain way and there's going to be a lot more analysis of the past and why do I do the, and so and that's what I'm bringing to our marriage. And I see that now. And now, so every time, you say that to me, I see that I'm really talking to my mother and not you and yeah. it's going to be more like that. Yeah. Um in a, a coaching modality, it's more focused on, all right, so what kind of relationship do we want to have? How are we going to get there? And how can we separate the things that are in the material from the emotional so they're not getting all mixed up? And in that process, if it comes up that there's some deep therapeutic need, oh, I just realized that my father was schizophrenic and I really need some help with that. They would go outside for that help. It would not happen in the mediation process.
0: Okay. So
1: if you, if, or if it comes up that somebody is an alcoholic, yep. um, they would go and get help for that. So you don't treat alcoholism in a mediation mode. Um, in couples counseling, you might talk, you might have some treatment for that, but you, it's, their very, their modalities are, too, are very different.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about was trying to mitigate the effects of negative conflict by, you know, really talking about changing that relationship dynamic. And you also talked about the importance of being so conscious and present about what you're saying about your partner and not only saying, but how you're acting and how you're feeling and how you're feeling and, and how that kind of more important seeps out. And so I have two questions. What do you do when you catch yourself? Because I've caught myself. So I love my husband, but there are times when I want to strangle him. And um, good example. I went to bed early on Sunday night because I was absolutely exhausted. And I said, Michael, can you please make sure that you braid Samantha's hair because she's been snowboarding all day? And if we could brush it now, then in the morning, it won't have snarls woke up the next morning, he forgot to braid her hair. She had all these snarls. And of course I'm combing it and doing the best I can with detangler, with everything in my power, but it hurts. And so it's hurting me because I see my daughter hurt. And I'm sitting here, my husband comes in and I want to say something mean to him. And I know doing it in front of Samantha is not the right thing. How do you stop yourself? Because, you know, thank goodness I I held it together and I just said, you know, Michael, I'm working on Sam's hair because we forgot to braid it last night. Um, It'd be really good if we braid it going forward. And FY, the next night he has, he has not missed a night where I've gone to bed early. He has braided it. And so he's kind of like, she, he knows how to braid less better than I do. But, but I will tell you, Rich, it was so hard for me in that moment to keep my cool about me and we're not getting divorced. We're we're we'll quote unquote, a happy marriage. Mm-hmm. And it was something over something as stupid as braiding your hair. And obviously when, you know, people going through divorce are dealing with exponentially difficult. Is there a magic pill?
1: There is a magic pill, and for seven hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety seven cents, I'll sell it to you. No, there's no magic pill. That wouldn't be enough.
0: You actually had me convinced there, and ready to bring out my credit card. Maybe it should be nine
1: ninety seven ninety no, yeah. nine. I
0: think you could charge more for that.
1: Yeah. Well, it depends on how long it works for. Well, first, um, it's really interesting what you brought up. Well, first, I want to acknowledge you that you have the presence of mind to know when you're triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say, all right, I get it. I'm triggered. And for the well-being of Samantha, I'm I'm only going to express this as a future desire. That's huge. Really, actually amazing. And so well done. And the the trick, well, actually, the sad thing is the very lessons that we need to learn to have our marriage work are the lessons that we need to learn to co-parent when we're getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how I got out of being a divorce coach. Well, I still have a divorce coach, but how I stopped being only a divorce coach and got into marital mediation as well. I was like, I, I realized this is so sad that the people I'm working with need to learn the same lessons to be co-parents that they could have learned to stay together.
0: Yeah.
1: And the you know, the primary lesson is how to manage our own trigger, our own triggers. Like what are the things that trigger us?
0: Yeah. And
1: to notice it. So I teach this parenting class for Family Kind. Uh, fantastic organization. I I know you're familiar with them.
0: And just so everybody listening, um, I'm going to put in show notes, family kind, and also um, a link to their website. And they have, again, great parent, you know, parenting classes and support. It's it is the answer to many people's needs. Yeah. So I
1: teach this parenting class for parenting kind four times a year, and they have uh, this piece that they do on, what they call an amygdala hijack. Mm-hmm. A great term. So you were experiencing an amygdala hijack. And what your response was, no, I am not going to be hijacked. And for those of you who aren't aware, the amygdala is the part of our brain that's all survival oriented and it's always chattering to us. It's chattering to us about the future. Oh my God, I'm going to go for this interview with Stacey Francis. I better not make any mistakes because I respect her so highly. Or it's always looking backwards. Oh my God, I did that interview and I screwed it up so badly. I can't believe that. And then it's worrying about the outcomes. Yeah. And this it's its job is to make sure that we're safe,
0: so is this like the flight or flight? There's a line coming right.
1: It's the part of you that when you walk out uh, when you get off Central Park West, you're yeah. looking to see who's gonna mug you or when you're walking yeah. into the house you know and you and you live in Armageddon, oh my God, where's the bomb gonna come from today? Is that part of you always watching? The problem is that uh, it's it's active at times when we don't want it to be like like something like Samantha's yeah. hair. That's important, but that's not am I going to get stabbed or is there going to be a bomb dropped? You know, it's so uh, in order to manage our amygdala, which is useful and important, but sometimes gets out of control. What's recommended is that we have mindfulness practices or prayer or meditation. So mindfulness practices, prayer, meditation, studies have shown all light up another part of our brain, Mm -hmm. which is not our amygdala. It's the part of our brain that thinks uh, that that thinks things through and manages, and so what you just described was a perfect example of that. You your amygdala was tricked, you know, was hijacked or triggered, but another part of your brain said, no, 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 wait a minute. I have there's another value that's more. This is not dangerous, and there's and I don't want to become dangerous to Samantha. And so even though I'm having this very intense feeling, I'm going to be careful about how I express this. And that's that is the the magic pill where the silver bullet, is. One of those, one or all of those three practices.
0: So it's, you know, sounding like when you feel yourself being triggered, that you go to these places of taking a breath, of trying to meditate, you know, trying to bring yourself back to be able to deal with it um, in a, in a, a way that you would look back and be proud.
1: Yeah, so let me clarify because I've probably talked about this so many times. I'm, I'm speaking from my own context, which is has a lot of assumptions in it. So the mindfulness meditation and prayer practices are things we do on a regular basis that ha- shrink the amygdala and help us to deal with those triggers when they come up. To overcome it. When the triggers come up, we might take a breath or we might start uh, doing what's called self-talk, which yeah, is yeah. ERM. Here I am, combing Samantha's hair. Wow. I really love Samantha and I really love Michael. And even though I'm feeling really triggered right now, I'm going to focus on the (laughs) fact that I really love Samantha and I really, you know, and you talk yourself through it. And so what can I say that's appropriate here? And Samantha knows what you're feeling, by the way. I mean, she, you know, and that's okay because the example you gave her is even when I'm angry, disappointed, upset, I know what's important here.
0: Mm This is really, really, really powerful. Um, so, knowing that mindful practices, that med- you know, meditation, that prayer, outside of those events, are going to give you the skills. It's going to allow you to to better deal with that time. And it's interesting the breathing and the self talk. Um, you know, not too much TMI, but I use self-talk when I'm doing my, um, my Ironmans and I talk to myself and I say, come on, Stace, come on, you know, you, you can do it. And it's interesting how I believe myself and kind of the, there's no reason you can't do that in just a real positive way. And it's just flipping out of, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. This is fine. We'll deal with it later. You love Samantha, you love some, you know, Mm -hmm. Sebastian, you love Michael. Um, So we've talked a lot about, you know, our work, our work, what, and this is the million dollar question. What if we're putting in the work to do the best we can, but we have a partner or a spouse who is blind to that, to what they're doing? How do we, how do we illuminate them? Can we illuminate them?
1: That's when you need the real magic bullet.
0: Yeah, you that's the, so I would pay, you know, I'm yeah, okay, but, but put, people would pay put, more for that. Put them even. down. <laughs> just put them down.
1: What? <laughs> but that would be so bad for the children, and then you'd you'd go to jail, which would be really bad for the children.
0: It would be, and just so you know, you can't collect on life insurance either.
1: <laughs> right. I'm it's, just telling it out there. So I'm just letting it, so. people
0: know. Anyone listening, you cannot collect on the life insurance if you've been, you know, convicted of their death. So, so,
1: so um, in the divorce world, these are the people I work with are people who are coming out of marriages where the other person is unaware, unconscious. And yeah. to put a sort of a very broad and abused label on them, they might be considered narcissists. So they are so wrapped up in their own lives and their own selves that they don't see the impact that their blame and decisions have on yeah. everyone around them. And pretty typically, if you're coming out of a relationship with someone like that, a married relationship, they're still the co-parent. Yeah. That's the real problem. It's a really difficult situation in which you, the person who's coming out of the relationship with the narcissist, need to spend a lot of time focusing on what's important for you, what's best for your children. And so what's best for your children is not to say, you know, your mother or your father is such a, so self-centered. and They're always thinking of themselves. Actually, the best move is still to say things, is always to focus on their strengths because the, our children are internalizing the best and the worst of both parents. And mm-hmm. so if we focus on the worst of the other parent, then that's what the children are focusing on. And that's what they're internalizing. If we focus on what's best in the other parent, they're internalizing that. And the short story on this is the children, as they grow up, will try on being the, each parent. They'll wear attitudes and emotions and um, styles of each parent. And so there'll be times when you see your child acting like in those undesirable ways that you have no control over and that yeah. you're stuck with because they're the other parent. And you'll go, Oh my God, they're becoming that other parent. I failed, but you got to get that. They're just trying it on. And what happens is as they hit 15, 16, 17, 18, and their cognitive abilities get up to sort of adult levels, they start becoming conscious of the differences between mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom, whatever you have going on there. And they see that one person has one kind of focus which might be more internal and more blame oriented, and the other person has always been focused on your well-being and doing their best to focus on the positive and probably failing occasionally. Like we're gonna drop we the ball fail. on that all the time, but they're yeah. always failing up, always improving, always getting better. And the child will make a choice at that point who which model, what what they want, what clothing they want to wear permanently. And that's when you get to see how you did. Yeah. And so uh, full disclosure, in in my own household we had that situation. And in the end, the children, you know, the children chose to be more outwardly focused and more the well-being of the group in addition to themselves. And it was sort of like after 20 years, this major victory, mm-hmm. you know, for, for my wife and I. But it was, there were years there, it was just like, oh my God, you know, yeah. wh- who is this kid? I and mean, where did we go wrong? Yeah. You know, there are just times you, th- you feel like, no matter how hard I try, they end up being like them, yeah. you know, uh, um, but they don't.
0: They don't. It's interesting. I will share. My parents um, had a lot of conflict. They stayed married until my mom passed away. But I just realized something as you were speaking that I tried each one of them on as far as their, who they were. And I remember behaving like my father and he was very, very um, negative towards my mom, making fun of her. And I remember in my early teenage years, that 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 was me, and I grew up enough to realize this isn't right, and I switched my whole being, and now I am just like my mom was, and you know I will say this not in a boastful way, but just she she always had glassful happiness, trying her best. Um, I love what you say, Rich, of failing up. You know, knowing that we're not perfect, but just really trying to, to fail up. One of the challenges that individuals I, I know going through this process have with that person who, that spouse or partner that has no clue, that's focused on themselves, is how they deal with when that spouse is talking, that partner is talking about them negatively in front of their children. of How do you stand up for yourself without putting down your ex? That's such a tricky, tricky piece because you can be, you know, doing everything right, watching what you're saying, but then they go to her house on the weekends or his house on the weekends and um, they're coming back saying, you know, dad told us that you... Drink or dad told us that you know, whatever, that you're not good with details. Um, what can we do to not allow ourselves to be triggered? Of course, all those things you said, but if you start to see this, you know, negativity, you know, seeping into your children about you,
1: that's the 10 million dollar question. Yeah, you know your checkbook.
0: I know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm ready. I, yeah, I 10
1: million dollars, I give you the answer. Um,
0: Because It it is really difficult. Because a proportion of me would be like, you know, do you stand up to them? Do you just try and step back? Like
1: That happens in marriages, too.
0: Yeah, right. It happens in marriages, too. So when a marriage is
1: deteriorating, all that's going on. Yeah. And so... um,
0: That's true. It's not just...
1: When our children come to us and start reflecting back criticisms that the other parent has, whether we're living together or living apart, the safest path is to just practice active listening. So in mediation, we call it looping.
0: In yes. uh, psychology,
1: yep. they call it re- uh, reflecting back. Uh, and so you, the child comes in and says, well, daddy says that, you know, that you're lying all the time and that really all this stuff is not true. And rather than negate it or validate it, just say, so what I think I'm hearing you say is that your father is uncomfortable because he's not sure he can always trust me. So reflecting back or looping isn't necessarily saying, what I think I hear your father saying is that I'm a dirty, rotten liar. It's instead focusing on what's the, fe- the, the feeling yeah. that the other person is had. Why would they say that? What's the feeling behind it?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they might say, no, that's not what I said. And then you're going to do it again. But the most important thing is to let the child know that you hear them, not mm-hmm. that you agree or disagree, but just that you hear them and you receive it. And the response that you give is going to depend on how that goes, or it may not require a response. Or a response might be, Samantha, I want you to know that whatever your ex-father's experience has been, you can count on me. You know, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And anytime that you feel that I'm not 100% honest or transparent, please tell me.
0: Oh my God, that's beautiful.
1: So the response, the most important response has to do with the child, not with the other person. Because
0: most likely what that child is really saying is, can I trust you, mom? Yes. That's really what they're saying. And you've just... Told them no matter what your father feels or doesn't know that I'm always here for you, that I love you, and that um, if at any point you feel like I'm not being truthful or or honest, talk to me. That's the, really the second
1: that we get defensive, yeah, we start validating the other point of view, <clears throat> or if we start attacking the other point of view, we validate it. It, it looks like it might be true. So this would be in the world. This would not be fight, and it would not be flight. It would be, and it was not quite play dead.
0: Yeah, but, but it is no, kind but of play it's... dead.
1: You know, because you, uh, when you're reflecting back, you're no matter what you're feeling, that's not invested in in the reflecting back. So it is kind of playing dead in yeah. a way. Yeah, uh, it's it's just you're just giving back what what you hear is going on there.
0: Yeah. So this is a really powerful technique that I know um, that they teach in mediation looping. So everybody listening, um, just so you know, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to a couple looping exercises. And I find it's helpful, you know, with your children, even of, you know, what you're telling me is that you're mad at mommy because I came to the science fair late. Is that, is that what i'm hearing from you and you know it it's helpful it's helpful to hear what they're really what they're really saying. Well, it's also
1: like the ultimate customer service tool. Like 98% of unhappy customers, all they really want is to know that someone heard them. They don't even care about what happened really. They, they're just so tired. Everyone's so tired of being put on hold or <laughs> or their email not being answered that somebody yeah. heard them and validated what they said and got the feeling is huge for them. So if, yeah. if you're running an organization, yeah. train all your people to loop. Because it's the best thing you can do. And then they don't have to make a promise even. The promise they can make is we'll respond to you within 24 hours. But they best respond within 24 hours. Looping is an incredibly powerful tool.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll make sure we put that in um, show notes. So I know we're coming to the end. One of the things you talk about is divorce proofing your kids. I'd love to hear more about that. Is there such a thing as divorce proofing and...
1: Yeah. Well, so I put it in quotation marks.
0: Exactly. I know. <laughs> that's <laughs> why. And, and I know that on the podcast, you guys can't, can't hear me, but it, I have the little quotation marks.
1: Because it's kind of like divorce proofing is kind of like Teflon. You know, yeah. Teflon wears out after a while. And so what what we mean by divorce proofing your kids, I'm in the middle of this workshop called divorce proofing your kids right now. And what we mean by that is allowing your kids to vocalize what's going on for them, helping your kids to mourn the loss of the family relationship as it was, not that it won't continue, not that it won't go on, but part of the transformation in order to move to something new, you have to be willing to let go of what it was, helping your kids to tell their story, helping your kids to get to gratitude of some kind for where they are what they have, even if they're having other feelings, Mm -hmm. and out of gratitude, we can start to create something new. And divorce proofing, the idea of divorce proofing is about building resilience in our children, resilience being this quality of bouncing back. And resilience is based in knowledge of self, knowledge of core values and principles, um, knowledge of our feelings and practices that Build our character, that build who we are, mm-hmm. and that become vehicles for expression. So the difference between my brother and I is that I went to a school that had a focus on super high creativity. So we did woodwork, and we did painting, mm-hmm. and we did knitting. I knit socks, and it, which seems That's kind impressive. of backwards <laughs> to me as a child. Yeah, but you know, when I look back on it, uh, creativity is a super high value for me. As a result of that. Yeah, and creativity is where all of those feelings we find expression. Creativity is where we start moving to the future, and whereas my brother um, sort of got, it seems to me—I I mean, he hasn't told me—is got got some stuff that he's stuck in because he didn't have that in his life.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like resilience is such a important important um, skill, and I don't know if. Resilience and grit are the same thing, but um, no one's life is easy. No one's life is easy and you put divorce on top of it. And, you know, the skills that that you can build um, to get through it are skills that can help you in so many other parts of your life.
1: Well, I would say that grit, I love that word. It's a real New York word. I love, I I,
0: I love, we're gritty here in
1: New York. Um, grit comes out of resilience. You know, grit is, we can't really have grit unless we've got connection, you know, connection to other people. Yeah, so yeah. part of resilience is having us, the network of support. Part of resilience is having role models. When, when we were talking about self-talk and you were talking about the Iron Man, I was thinking about the little voice in my head, which is uh, Tadashi Nakamura, who's been my black, my teacher for mm-hmm. 35 years. And anytime that I'm running up a set of stairs and I get tired, I hear him saying, keep going, you can do it. <laughs> you know, anyone who's trained with this guy has heard him say that. But like, it's part of my inner voice now. He's, it's, the, it's that connection, that support, yeah. that role model. So that's all part of what grit is.
0: Yeah. There's a great um, book on grit that I read. And so I'm like a grit, you know, poor Samantha. I was like, Samantha, you need to have grit. And she's, you know, I started talking to her about grit when she was six year old. Six years old, so she knows what it is. But it's about the, you know, relationships. It's about, you know, getting up once you get, you know, you fall. And um,
1: yeah, he used to. He always says seven times, ta- seven times down, eight times up. And that's yeah. actually, it's, it's even like in, in a, in the yeah. Old Testament in the in the Torah somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If you fall down seven times, get back up, or something like that.
0: This has been so um, inspiring, powerful. But I, what I walk away from this interview is with um, light and hope, and that's such a good feeling. Um, how can our listeners get a hold of you, see your website? I know you guys, you have some really nice content there too, because I feel like for many of them, this is the beginning of their journey. Um, and I can only imagine that there's been a lot of ahas as people have listened about how powerful their actions are and how they can impact their children. So um, if you want to share your website, if you have an email that you want to share, and then also, um, Rich, I'll make sure I put everything in, in show notes, too.
1: Well, first, I just want to say thank you, Stacy, oh. for the opportunity to sit with you because you are actually a role model for me. I don't know if you know that. I well, think I've told you. you, but I'm going to tell you in person, uh, the way you live your life, the, the generosity that, that you live your life with uh, creating Savvy Ladies and the way that you interact with the people that you work with, it's so obvious that you are a caring and invested co-worker. I'm not yeah, just, just going to say employer because that sounds so,
0: <laughs> so sterile.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm always inspired by you. And it's such a pleasure to be in the room with you and talk with you always. And so uh, my information is, my website is uh, richinrelationship.com, R-I-C-H-I-N-R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P.com. And my email is rich at richinrelationship.com. Great.
0: Great. So we will make sure that we have that on our um, website. And also for those of you listening, if you go to the website, Rich has ongoing programs um, that he offers specifically for individuals going through the divorce process who um, want to help their children and tackle some of these really important, um, but sometimes tough issues. And thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, this year's dream is that I'm going to have at least two Three to four hour workshops uh, related to letting go of the old relationship and another one on resiliency that would be maybe a Friday evening kind of thing here in New York City and then culminating in I want to do a two day retreat of Love the workshop it. I'm doing now. The workshop I'm doing now is virtual. I want to continue to offer the virtual workshop because that has value, but I think it would be we could go so much deeper in person like in a beautiful setting with yeah. good food. And if anyone's interested, I hope they'll contact me and and we'll get that going. That's
0: great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for tuning into Financially Ever After. In just a few minutes, I'll go over the main takeaways from today's episode. But before I do that, I want to tell you about a couple resources that I know would be helpful for you. Our firm, Francis Financial, is to help women going through and after divorce. In fact, 70% of our clients are just like you. And the reason why we focus on this time in your life is because we know that the decisions you make today will impact not only you, but your family for the rest of your life as well. For many of our clients, this is a lump sum that needs to support them. Often, there's not additional large sums coming in in the future. So making the right decisions is more important and key than ever. And that's what we're here to do, to give you absolute comfort, and certainty that the decisions you're making are the right ones for you and for your family. I know today I could have talked for so much longer and our podcast was much longer than it typically is, but I didn't want to cut anything out because so much of this is so powerful. And Rich told us about essentially how we ourselves can take agency over our actions and our behaviors and what we say. But he also explained the harder part of what can we do if our spouse is not interested in how their actions, how they're affecting the kids? What can we do to you know, protect our kids, but at the same time, allow them to develop their own resiliency, which we all know we need to be able to have, especially living in these days? Please do check the notes that I shared, uh, those show notes, particularly about looping, which is such a powerful skill to make sure that your children and your ex partner understand that you're listening to them, that you're hearing them. And make sure that you also check the show notes for information about Family Kind. They offer great resources to help families going through separation and divorce as well as Rich Heller's website itself, where he offers programs and ongoing live classes online and looking like to be soon in person. Thank you for investing in yourself, for putting in the time to listen to Financially Ever After, and thank you for your ongoing support and the kind comments that everybody has shared and left on the website. Stacey Francis, tuning out of Financially Ever After.